So how many of you have enjoyed the uh, speech therapy teaching? Amen? And uh, last week I talked about freedom of speech. Probably should have saved it for this Sunday. Freedom of speech. How many believe in freedom of speech? Amen? That's right, I do. But not all speeches are, are free because every word counts, right? I remember when I was traveling as evangelist, for those of you who didn't, before I pastored this church for 21 years, I was in a different church each week and I only lived by whatever people just decided to give me. And it was called love offerings is what they called it. It wasn't weird, just they gave offerings, they gave financial gifts and sometimes it was more love than offering, you know. And a pastor called me one time, he says, uh, Brother Sam, he said, do you believe in the freedom of speech? I said, yes I do. He said, how would you like to make one at my church this Sunday? So I said, no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> But we decided and we discovered that our words are powerful and whatever comes off of your lips counts and it costs for good or for bad. So Proverbs 18.20 says, wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right word brings satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences, what? Of the seeds of words. They don't think it's gonna produce anything, but words are seeds and they always bring fruit, life or death, satisfaction or dissatisfaction. How many wanna bring those seeds that bring life-giving words that keep bringing harvest of fruit, amen? So look at your neighbor before you sit down and tell them this, it's time for tongue training, amen? And you can have a seat in the house of God. We're going to have a great time this morning. So the power of the human tongue goes, you got to understand this, goes far beyond just physical strength. The real force lies in the ability to produce words. That's where the real force comes from. Not the physical strength of your body, but what words come out. We've got a lot of, we've got a, lot of military might and power in our nation. But I'm telling you, the real strength comes from what is said at the negotiation table. Words are powerful. And you can say right words and wrong words. I like what Mark Twain said. He said the difference between the right word and the almost right word is the difference between lightning and a lightning bug. And we're going to talk about that today. And I want you to go to the book of James. I was there the other day, but I want you to go to the book of James, specifically James chapter 3, so you can start heading there, heading there with your Bibles and everything. But the book of James is so interesting. It was, written, it was written to these Jewish believers. They were under a lot of persecution, but the reason why James wrote things is because that's what they were dealing with. They were believers saved, spirit-filled, but something was happening with the way they were talking. So you see that the emphasis in James is a lot on the tongue. He mentions, in, in this book of James, he mentions 14 different kinds of tongues. And he's talking to Jesus' followers. So, so first of all, I'm not talking to people out there that have no understanding of Scripture. I'm talking to me and you. Because when he begins to talk about it, he talks about the different kinds. Of, he talks that there's a deceitful tongue among Christians. He says there are Christians that talk perverse and they're born again, but their speech is perverse. 
There are believers that speak in tongues, but yet they're gossips and they're backbiters. So remember, this is not for the unbeliever. He's writing this to the Jewish people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. But then he says, there's a healthy tongue. And that's what the Holy Spirit and the Word wants to use, a healthy tongue. Because how many know words can do two things? Words can minister or they can maim somebody. The word can bless. My words can either bless people or my words can distress people. Your words and my words, they can either help people or they can hurt people. So today we're gonna to talk about, Lord, how do I tame my tongue? How do I do this? Let's go to the scripture. So I wanna give you some truth about the tongue. Let's go to James chapter three, but I wanna to talk to you some truth about the tongue. And here's what we need to understand about the tongue. It's powerful. I just don't think sometimes you and I think enough about what we're saying or how powerful these words really are, but they're powerful. More powerful than my physical strength. They're powerful. The first thing you understand about the, about the tongue and why it's so important is because your words direct. The path of your life is directly related to what has come out of your mouth. It directs, your words are directing your life and could be directing someone, other's li someone else's life with something you say or shouldn't say. So look what James chapter three, verse two says. He says, for we all stumble in many ways. Can we just say that out loud? Just for, uh, uh, now, I want everybody to participate. Those of you that are home, you need to say it too. Ready? Here we go. For we all stumble in many ways. I want you to say it again. For we all stumble in many ways. So whenever you're ready to light up on somebody, whenever you want to think that you're the righteous one, I want you to hear what he said. We all stumble in many ways. So cut me some slack. Selah, come on, amen, let's move on. If anyone does not stumble in what he says or she says, he said if they're not stumbling, then that man or woman is a perfect man or woman. Look at that. He says, able to bridle the whole body as well. This is powerful. Now if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct the entire body as well. Do you know that your sin and my sin is directly related to what we say? So that means the seeds that have come in me. When you, when you say, well, I don't listen to that music. Well, I just kind of tune that part of the movie out. You're deluded. You are the most deluded person in the world I have met. When you think that what you allow someone to say to you or a movie, or something you read, or something you listen to. Well, that just doesn't affect, I don't listen to the words. What are you smoking? Because those seeds are getting in you that eventually are what you begin to say and you eventually begin to do. This is literally saying that if I could just put a bit in my mouth over this issue, I could actually direct my life in a good way. Oh my goodness. So, so, if, I'll just put it this way. If we're going in a wrong, if you think of something in your life that's going in a wrong direction right now. Think of anything that's going in a wrong direction right now in your mind. Put it in there right now. 
It's because your tongue led you there. Isn't that amazing? And if we don't control the tongue, we don't want what we're saying. You say, well, I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just a free bird. I'm a free spirit. <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're wild is what you are. And you know what happens? You actually waste your mission in life and the strength. You lose your energy if you don't control what you say. You know, don't you just love it? You see those wild horses just majestically running. They're running. They're just running. Man, they're just going. You're going, wow, that's the kind of person. I want to be free like those horses just running wild. And there's Mustangs. They're just, did, you, did they play that already? Yeah. Can play that again. Just because you can just see it. It looks so majestic. Dun, 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 you all in Ponderosa or something like that. You know, yeah, it's me, just free as a bird. Can I tell you, that is the biggest waste of time. I know it looks majestic, but those horses have no mission. They're wandering aimlessly. They're not going anywhere. Those horses provide no useful service. In fact, they might actually be eroding the environment and trampling things that are good things because they're just majestic and beautiful. I wonder how many people that are not bit and bridled are actually destroying the environment of their marriage or their workplace or their small group because it's going to speak their mind. I mean, think about it. I mean, they're not carrying anybody. They don't want it. You put, you put a load on them, they're bucking you off. They're not going to get you anywhere. They have no direction. They have, in fact, they're just going to follow the others. They have no lasting value. Maybe some, some glue. Don't send me a letter, please. We all stumble. Come on, we all stumble, okay? We all stumble. Cut me some slack. <laughs> it has no direction. And this is what James is implying. So he's talking about bit and bridle. We're talking about horses. But isn't it amazing you can take that animal and then change it, take it to a place where it's learning how to be disciplined and they put a bit and bridle in it and now a 1,500-pound horse that has not carried anybody, has had no purpose, has not achieved anything, now can start carrying someone, have a mission, and a 99-pound a woman can start moving that 1,500-pound animal to do something productive. So what James is saying is James is applying the same is true for you and me. The same is true for all of us. If we fail to bridle our tongue, he's saying the exact same thing. Now, look, look, look at what I'm showing. James 1, 26. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 26. Are y'all still enjoying this? All right, good, good. Words are important. I need to hear that's working for you. So here's what it says, James 1, 26. He says, if any of you consider yourself religious. So I watch a lot of people. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a Christian. And then, and then they start tagging on other things to that name Christian. No, if you got to add things on, you're diluting Christianity. Just be a Jesus follower, period. But he says, if you're going to consider yourself religious, and that word religious there actually means an effective, pleasing server of God. That's what that means. That word 
Religious there means an effective, pleasing server of God. If you want to be a pleasing server of God, and yet <laughs> does not keep a tight rein on his tongue or her tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is What you say, what you post, and what you text can actually make your Christianity worth absolutely nothing. That's why I'm not free to always say just what I think. So that means that Sam Rifkel and you, this is powerful. This, do you hear what he said under the power of the Holy Spirit? Did you just hear what he said? He said that there could come a place that you and I could actually think we're serving God, but we are deceived in our hearts because we can't control what we say. I hope y'all that are on vacation really did tune in today. I'm just going to tell you. Because there's people, there are believers that are just worn out and tired and exhausted. It's because maybe it may be exactly what's coming out of your mouth. Look what he says. He says, the words that you have actually direct. So everybody say, words direct. <laughs> Here's the second thing that he shows us. That words are dynamic. That means they're powerful. They are super powerful. I mean, this little, this little bitty thing right here can mess up my future. Oh my goodness. Look what he says in James chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 4. Let's stay there. He says, look at the ships. <clears throat> look at the ships also. Not just the animal, look at the ships. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed. Even though there's all this power, powerful wind, he said they are still directed by a very what? Very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So guess who's in charge? The person that has the rudder. Watch this. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. Direction, the course of our life. Are you, can you just, just slow these words down and read them? And I mean, it just, doesn't it just do, do this to you like it's doing to me? And sets and is set on fire by hell. Oh my goodness. James, <clears throat> come on, tell us how you really feel here. <laughs> tell us, Father, what do you really feel? Don't, don't beat around the bush here, Jesus. Don't beat around the bush, Holy Spirit. What do you really feel? See, what he's saying, so here's what he's saying about you and me. I know we're all born again. I know we're all saved. But how many know our tongue needs to get born again? Okay? So the tongue is what he's saying is inherently evil. Our tongue is inherently, it is, it, my tongue and your tongue is bad from birth. Your tongue and my tongue, I don't care how, I don't care how much you speak in tongues, listen closely to me, our tongues were set on default to speak evil. I don't know about you, but how many have ever raised children? Are you looking for the teacher that gave them the course on lying? 
You didn't have, I, you didn't have to learn how to, no one had to teach you and set you aside as a kid and say, now let me show you how to tell a lie. Your tongue and my tongue, we could lie. We were two years old and we were lying. Did you take a bath? Well, I can't see it, but I can smell it. Something didn't get a bath. We were at two years old. Your t- our, listen, you've got to understand, your tongue is already set on default to lie. Your siblings, did you get a crash course on how to make your sibling feel like a total dirtbag? No, you just started ripping on them about their looks, about their, you just start ripping on them. Uh, there's some of you just say, I don't understand my tongue so holy. Did you forget junior high? How many, remember, how many remember the things that people said? People were brutal on me in junior. I mean, absolutely ruthless because we were Asian, because I was skinny. I mean, they were rude. How many of you remember some things that were said to you in junior? Some of you are taking out your tissue right now, just dabbing your eyes. You are weeping. There's stuff people said to you in junior high that still bugs you. I'm just telling you. Their little sparks of the tongue can become so, can create massive blessing or massive ruin. I mean, how do forest fires usually start? It's usually someone just, just a careless camper, just didn't make sure all the embers were out. You know, it's that one smoker just carelessly flicking that cigarette butt and sets it on fire. He said, that's the power, that is the power of that little bitty rudder we have. That rudder controls the direction and the strength of the ship. So my mouth, my words control the direction and the strength, the power of my life. Now, how important do you think a rudder, to a sh- a rudder on a ship is during the middle of a storm? It is very important because in the storm, what you say matters. Now, here's the reality. Some of us are in a storm right now in a relationship We're in a storm with negotiating in the company. We're in a storm with our career. You're in a storm with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. You're in a storm with your husband or your wife. You're in a storm with your daughter-in-law, your son-in-law. You're in a storm with someone in your small group, and you're trying to figure out, what do I do in this storm, pastor? Here's the deal. You cannot let the winds and the waves direct the course of your words. You've got to let your tongue, the Holy Spirit, And the word, show your tongue how to steer into the waves. So here's how we deal with our storms. We just let everything push us out. So I see people that never, ever resolve an issue in their marriage, and they just push out and let the storm push them in this next relationship, and this next relationship, and this next relationship. I see it in churches. They're jumping from church to church to church because they never want to have the courage to take their tongue and steer it by the word of God and steer it by the Holy Spirit into the wave. So they're just driven along by the wind. The ship will capsize if it doesn't take the rudder and pitch it directly into the wind and directly in the wave. If it doesn't turn it into the wind of the wave, the ship capsizes and everybody perishes. So what does this mean? We cannot allow the circumstances in your family, your marriage, or even your nation, or even what's being posted to make and all of a sudden get you to spout off because you need to steer properly into the wind and the wave by the power of your words, led by the Spirit, and led by the Word of God. Can somebody say amen, oh me, or just... It is more crucial. So if your marriage is right now on the brink of breakup, 
it is more crucial for you to get your words under control and watch them closely. If there's an issue in your employee, you're dealing with, you're a supervisor, you're dealing with employees, it is more crucial for you to really think about your words and measure them properly into the wind of the wave. You really got to start thinking with your words. The more hot our, our nation's going to get, I don't know what your political persuasion is, but if you're going to put the label on yourself as Jesus Christ follower, you better make sure that you are measured by the word of God you better make sure you're measured by the Holy Spirit as you steer into the waves that are fixing to come. You need, you, need, you need a rudder, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your job, whether, whatever it is. And how many know you don't just need it in a storm? How many know you need it even in the good weather? You need a good weather. Because when the wind blows into the sail, you won't reach the destination for your marriage, your job, your home, your church, your small, whatever it is. You won't reach the destination without the rudder saying this is where we go. Because listen, basically what you say today will steer you toward your tomorrow. What I am saying right now today is steering me toward my tomorrow and what I want. How many thank God that God gives us the power to use our words to direct us in the right path? Mm, 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 mm. All right, but pastor, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, I don't know what to tell you because my, my words are perfect. <laughs> no, I'll take a number with you. Let's get in line. Let's talk about taming the tongue. Let's talk about this. Now watch this. This is really important. Watch this. This is really good. I think you're going to like this. Verse 7, same chapter. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles, creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. Isn't that amazing? I, can you believe that? The humans have the power to tame the beast that God gave us dominion over. I mean, they, for crying out loud, you can get a whale to do crazy things. But it took discipline. It took discipline. It really took discipline. But who tames the human's tongue? We tame what God gave us dominion over. Who tames you and me? We gotta have something that we allow to have dominion over us to be tamed. It says, but no one, watch this, but no one, everybody say no one. No one can tame the tongue. No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. I, I'm going to tell you, sometimes your tongue can just be sweet blessed and sometimes it can be like a slithering serpent hiding behind an enamel picket fence ready to strike. And he says, God's word, the Holy Spirit says, no one can tame them. The bad news is, is no one can tame the tongue, not even you. You have to give yourself to something you believe is the authority and the dominion. Think about that. That means you cannot tame your tongue by yourself. Sam Reichel cannot tame his tongue by himself. You cannot. But how many know God can if we allow his dominion in our life? How many have ever said this? Let me ask you, how many have ever, how many have ever said this? How many have ever said this before, ever in your life? I'm never gonna say a dumb thing again. Have you ever said that? Have you ever got in an argument with your spouse and say, 
From now on, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. How many of you have heard that? Come on, how many of you have heard that? From now on, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm never going to say a dumb thing like that ever again. Newsflash, everybody. Hold on. Just newsflash before you think that. It's newsflash. Dumb stores up. Okay, it just stores up. I don't know how it does it all my life, but dumb stores up. And you can say, I'm never going to say a dumb thing like that again. From now on, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Lie. Now you're lying. Lasts about two weeks, right? What, what, What the Holy Spirit is saying is that if you'll admit this, that humanly, on your own, your tongue and your words are untamable, and you need to admit they're untamable. But the good news is, is that they are divinely tameable when we allow the dominion and the authority of God and the power of his spirit and say yes to it. Just like I can get Moses to sit and not run wild, there are some disciplines that that dog has that he will listen and a nice collar that gives him a little buzz. I need the Holy Spirit to give me a collar that gives me a little buzz. You know what I think? I think you're just... You just, just give me a minute, okay? The Holy Spirit can give us a little buzz caller called conviction in the voice of the Holy Spirit. And the more you submit to it and surrender it, the more you're attentive to the little. You know why I can say with authority that the Holy Spirit can help you and me tame our tongue? Because he's the one that created it. If I'll admit he created it and my words are not my own, they need to be his words coming out of me. So listen, if God created your mouth, if he created, how many believe God created your mouth? If God created your mouth, then he can help you control it. He can he contained the tongue. I want you to go to Moses. Look at Moses just for a moment. This is really great. Not, my, not, not the dog, not our dog Moses. This is the real Moses here in the Bible. Ephesians chapter four, verse 10. I want you to go there for a moment. I want you to look at this. So Moses, you remember, he's going to deliver the people of Israel, but he knew he had this deficiency. And look what he says. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent. Now watch this. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken, since you have spoken to your servant, I am slow of speech and tongue. Now, here's what he said. He has encountered the divine press God, saw the burning bush, heard the voice of the Lord. Now, watch this. He said, God, here's the deal. Before I met you, I had a problem with my speech. And even after I met you and had this divine encounter, I'm still having a problem with my speech. So here's the deal. Before you got saved, you had a problem with your mouth. And even after you got saved, I still have this problem with my mouth. And this guy admits it. God, there's a problem with things I say. They have power and they direct Show me, Lord. But now look what God's response to something that he admits. Some people do not realize they need to admit it. My words are toxic and I need to surrender them to you, Lord. And I'm going to constantly bring them to you. If we would just admit that I'm slow of speech and I've encountered you, I know I'm saved, I'm born again, but God, I keep messing things up with my mouth. You need to admit it. And maybe it's the repentance of that is the reason why they can't get the course of their life directed properly. But look what God says. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, 
the Lord. Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. The moment he admitted it and he gave himself to the divine presence of God, God says, now all that place where you're messed up, I'm going to help you. And you know when he got in trouble is when he still contradicted what God said and he sees Aaron. No, let's use Aaron over here. And God says, no, 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 no. You still want to do something human. I'm going to help you. You don't even need Aaron. And he got mad at him for going to something he said could not be done. So when you say, no, I've been like this. My mother's like this. My mother's like this. My, no, God says, I want you to stop that because I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to open up your mouth and I'm getting ready for powerful things and direct your life and minister to people. How many of you believe, folks, if God can do it, it can be done because he did do it. He created it. That's the best news. That is the best news of this series right here. So don't say it won't change. Don't even speak it out of your mouth because it will when you bring it to God. So, Pastor, what can I do? So I'm going to give you just a couple of things, some practical things that I'm going to ask you to let the Holy Spirit work on you and me with, okay? All right, you ready? How many are you ready? Let's take a deep breath. Let it out. See, better. Before you speak, and let me just add it, before you post, once you said before you text, before you email, just take my word for it. Posting, texting, emails do not express the heart of a person. Not to the depth. You just, just, just take my word for it. The more serious the nature, the more personal it needs to be. Okay? Now listen, before you speak, number one, pause. Especially when you know this thing's getting a little, this is getting elevated. Just stop. Pause. Everybody say pause. Just hold on a minute. Say nothing for a moment. If that means you got to go out to the backyard, go out to the backyard. If it means you got to go and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to step out just for a moment just because we need to st just slow down for a minute. Just pause. And if you're on the other end of that and they say it to you, don't take a personal. Give everybody a pause. Just pause. Just take a look at James 1.19. It's really scriptural. It says, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That means pause. Actually, what it really means here, the key to keeping your temper under control is just slow it down. Just slow it all down. Slow what you're going to say. Just, just zip it. Just stop. Just stop. I, we will save you a lot of heartache. Just stop speaking for a moment and be quick to just listen and take a pause, right? But how many know, you can, how many know come on, I wish we could all be perfect. God says, Sam, sometimes you just blow it. And how many have ever just blown it? Just, oh, oh, oh. and some of you go, well, I'm, I don't believe the Bible. Well, if you don't believe the Bible, my three-year-old grandson, I'm learning lessons with him, and I've met this pastor, uh, Pastor Daniel Tiger. <laughs> and if you don't believe, if you don't believe the word, listen, listen to the Reverend Tiger just for a moment. When you feel so Now, I had a hard time getting the Holy Spirit and James to get that into me, but my grandson has gotten it into me. When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath, Grandpa. 
and count to four. Just stop for a minute. Pause. Everybody say pause. pause. Or watch Daniel Tiger do something. Focus on what the person is saying. It can really control your anger, your temper, what's getting ready to come out. Pause. And start listening, not to what you don't, don't, don't be playing in your mind the next thing you need to say. Just listen. Take all that and step back and pause. Listen, then step back and take a pause. I like what Proverbs 17 says in verse 27. A truly wise person uses few words. Everybody say few words. <laughs> few words. A person with understanding even, even, is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. What's the saying? I'd better... I, I'd rather remain silent and be thought a fool than open my mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> I like something that Stephen Covey said. He said, the first thing is listen. He says, seek understanding before you want to be understood. Don't walk in saying, I need to be understood here. Walk in saying, let me seek understanding. Take it back so I can be understood. And that takes pause. When you feel so mad and you want to roar, come on, join me. Take a deep breath. No, don't go on. Take a deep breath. Count to four. Pause. Number two, before you speak, ponder. You got to think because I usually don't think when I'm hot and I'm mad. Come on, you've met us. Sometimes we are these people. There are three kinds of people. Those who think before they speak. Those who think while they speak. Those who think after they speak. Well, really, there's four categories. There are the people that just think and don't speak. I mean, speak and don't think. They're just that way, you know, just, just that way. So here's, the, here's what I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me be. Don't let it be that the first time they're hearing me say it be the first time I'm hearing it. Don't let it be that the first time they're hearing it is the first time you're hearing it. That's why you pause. Listen, pull away, and really, and really start asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, let me think through everything that has been said here. And then you pray. You pray. You submit your tongue to God. Ask the Holy Spirit for his help to speak to you. Not to be afraid of saying the things, but when you pray, pray for these things. Pray for how you're to talk. Let him literally umpire. That's why it takes time to say, Holy Spirit, let me really think this thing through. Give me what I'm supposed to talk about. And when you pray, ask him for the timing of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes things need to be talked about, but when you open that door, sometimes, I'm going to tell you, without invitation, it's not a good time. I ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you open up the door and make the invitation happen. Make it, make it be led by the Holy Spirit, because this is going to come around again, but give me time to start thinking about really what needs to be said. And the last one, ask him to give you the right tone of voice. I have discovered that more people can get things done if they will just talk quietly. But sometimes some of us were raised in a house where we heard mom and dad cussing and fussing and the only way you got heard was whoever raised their voice the louder and that's the way that you've been trained and that's how you're dealing in your relationship. And that doesn't get it, folks. I'm telling you, if you, will just, if you and I will just back it down and just talk quietly, you can get a whole lot more accomplished. But ask the Holy Spirit. Pause, ponder, pray. 
Because really what's gonna come out of our mouths, what God's doing, is treasure is gonna come from our tongue. Because there's really treasure, not trauma, there's treasure in my words. And look at what James says, and we close with this verse of scripture. He says, verse nine, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. So we just worshiping God. We can just can worship God, and we can get right outside in the car, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. We can get, walk out of a prayer meeting, walk out of a small group, and just start picking on a believer in that small group, just like that. Watch this. Wow. From the same mouth comes both blessing and cursing. My brethren, so he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. I can't control them. I don't expect people who don't know Jesus to behave like Jesus. I'm asking if I'm going to follow Jesus, help me, Jesus. Take control of my mouth. Help me. Submit it. Watch this. He said, my brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? It's no. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor salt water produce fresh? He's simply saying what you discipline to plant the right seeds in yourself, the harvest of what you plant will start coming out. No tree can produce two kinds of fruit. It's either going to be blessing or cursing, but it all starts with seeds. How many believe we can actually start speaking the life-giving words as we pray, we pause, we ponder, we think, and we say, Holy Spirit, give me the right talk, the right timing, and the right tone. And it doesn't always work out that way. But remember, they're seeds. And when do those seeds will start birthing in that person? And watch it. It'll come full, full course. Some of you waited 16 years, but those words came back full course. And you did it the way the Holy Spirit wanted to do. Because you can really speak life-giving words. And in just a moment, we're going to have time to pray for people. And we're going to speak life-giving words over you. We're going to do it. You say, I just don't believe those. I just don't, I, I don't believe this. I, um, I remember reading this story about a um, school superintendent in uh, the San Francisco area. And his school was just, it was failing. It was, it was far behind the other schools. He didn't know what to do. So he decided to do a little do a little test with students and teachers. And so he took, uh, he took three of the teachers and he says, you are my three best teachers, my three top teachers in, in this school. And he says, here's what I want to do. I'm going to do something. He said, I'm going to take our top 90 students and this whole school year, you're going to be the only three that are going to teach our top 90 kids. And we're going to see how they do with the, the best that we have. And sure enough, end of the school year, all of those 90 students were already a half a year ahead of all the other students. And so when he came back to give them the study, well, they said, stands to reason. They said, you know, best teachers. He says, oh, he goes, let me tell you something I didn't tell you. He said, the 90 students we picked were not the top 90 students. He said, they were randomly picked off of the computer. He said, we only told you that they were our top A students. And you believed it. So you treated your class that way. And he said, now let me let you know something else. You were also not our top three teachers in this school. He said, you're not. You were not our top teachers. I just simply told you that you were the top best teachers we had and these were the best kids. 
And out of that came the results because I told you and you believed it. Your words are powerful. Your words you say around your two-year-old, your three-year-old, your 16-year-old, your 17-year-old. Your words you speak to your husband, your wife, your small group leader, your employer, the employees you supervise, their life-giving words or their death words. And I can tell you something, life and death really is in the power of the tongue. And how many say, Holy Spirit, no man can tame my tongue, but I surrender these words to you. Holy Spirit, would you help me? And he said, who makes a person's mouth? It's me. And he said, I'll show you and teach you what to say. And how many know those words brought freedom to a whole nation? How many believe we can bring freedom to people by the words we speak? Amen. Are you ready for the Holy Spirit to do that in you and me? Are, you, are we all ready for that? Come on, let's stand together.